Dos Marcos Podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait, isn't this the only mattress industry podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dos Marcos. Yes, we are live from the Dos Marcos mattress podcast lair. Mm. Wow, we have a lair now. Yeah, look behind us. So, uh, yeah, who was it? Tom was like a ticking paradise. So the ticking <laughs> vendors, you know what we should do? Tick vendors, you can submit applications for a sponsorship to the Dos Marcos podcast, and we'll put a big sign. Yeah. Right above our heads because it's ticking right. by someone. I'll right? put a big sign right on his head. Yeah, it's tattooed. The tattooed. Thing, right? So, guess what I'm doing tonight and tomorrow? What's you, happening? You have like a, a guy's weekend? Like you have buddies. I host like, the uh, guy's bike ride every year. Do you see? Yeah. That's really cool. And I've never once been invited to your guy. You knew oh, that oh, was coming, pause. right? Do you, you never have... one time invited me <laughs> to your bikes, your little bicycle group. How many bikes do you have? I have no bike. I have two <laughs> that I haven't ridden in five years. Can I, you ride 40 miles yeah, round I'm trip? Just, I don't think I can. And pull, usually it's 65 miles round dude, trip. I just don't think I can pull the pants off. You think I could pull the pants off? Well, it's so cold the that everybody has stuff? layers and layers of stuff on anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because I always do it right. the first or second weekend in November, and you are absolutely, I'm going to give you an invitation well, right now. <laughs> Stop. Will you take me on a ride there? Because I know out here there's some really great trails. Yeah. Um, so my buddies, um, every year we go, and my buddy's got this incredibly beautiful uh, house in the kind of out by a lake area, and we all come in, and uh, we, we go, and we shoot guns, uh, drink whiskey, um, ride around on ATVs and just hang out together. And it's supposed to snow Saturday. So I'm really fired up about that. I, I love the snow. And so we'll just be outside and uh, having a great time. And then at night we shut it down. We have uh, this one guy cooks this incredible like brisket and we, uh, we play poker until two, three in the morning. It's a hundred dollar buy-in. I mean, we're not like killing anyone with the, the, the money, but it's just a lot of fun winner take all. And it's a lot of trash talking and it's about Kinsley. I wrote, a blog post this week accused views mquin.com about relationships and so when you're setting goals it's cool everyone's like thinking about sales velocity and growing your business and all that and i put in this blog post that i'm going to really work on relationships and this is a great example of that like even with your friends and your uh and, and your your parents and your spouse and your kids and the people you work with because at the end of the day if you want 2020 to be this huge breakthrough year um, a lot of it will depend on other people for that to be successful and in the quality of the relationships in your life. So I think it's a good thing for us to just remind ourselves how important that is and how to be intentional about deepening those things. You remember the podcast we did with Jesse Cole, the yellow tuxedo yes, wearing yes. baseball team owner. That was how we kicked off 2020. Go, go check it out. Yellow tux your business like Savannah Bananas, Jesse Cole. One of the things he said that has really stuck with me isolation is the enemy of excellence, which is another way of saying relationships are where you need to be investing your time, invest your time with other people, bringing smart people together, um, getting fulfilled by being with the people you love. And you know, it's something that's been a, a, a really strong filter for me, which is if it's not a hell yes, it's just a simple no. No doubt. Which means if I'm not really excited about it, um, like spending time doing this or spending time with these people or whatever it might be. I want to 
be investing in, in endeavors and people where I'm like so excited about it because then you know you're having fun and when you're having fun, it's sustainable. You know, the, the story Jesse told I loved was he was sweating hard. That's what my son Nick calls like when you're just a try hard, right? You're just like really yeah. working it harder than anyone else. So he was, a, he was sweating hard and he ran that race and he got across the finish line and he looked around and he like did really well and there was no one to share the moment with. And so the metaphor of that, so depending on how hard you're running in 2020 and what you're doing, slow down enough, understand that it is the people around you that not only get you there, but um, you really want to have those meaningful relationships because really take all the crap away, all the material stuff in your life. If you get sick, you're not going to be thinking about the stuff in your house and the cars and the trips you've taken. You're going to be thinking about the people in your life. And that's what really matters at the end of the day. So um, just be present with that. And uh, just a good reminder, right? Yeah. And I tell you what, when it comes to being involved in this industry, there's there are great clearinghouses for meeting people like you. And that's the thing. You'll know when you're with your people. And we're, I, I got a real distinct sense of that when I was at the Nationwide Primetime event where we spoke back in August. And that's what we're going to be doing coming up in February. I mean, we're going to be back with our people again. And it's a, and it is rejuvenating and you learn things and it is a big magnifying hell. Yes. When you're there, no doubt about it. Um, and Mike Whitaker and you and I talked a lot about that one thing, didn't we during that event? Um, by the way, speaking of nationwide, um, it's important to invest in your people, not just other relationships with them. And the cool thing about being a nationwide member is they invest in their members and you can go and they have an awesome learning platform where um, when you become a member, um, if you're not one already, you get to go to go to school on, let's say, the product lines. And there's turnover in retail, just like in any industry. And so you can come in and you can learn about Whirlpool. Or you can learn about Serta or Simmons and Temper and Sealy and all the mattress lines, Corsicana. You can learn about things from some of the top trainers in the industry who produce videos. And then not only can you learn about it, but... It's incentivized along the go. way. You can, you know, basically build up a bank of we'll call it coins and then you can actually get right. stuff like gift cards and you can buy things which is super cool i mean it keeps it fun it keeps it competitive and it obviously rewards it on the back end which is really good for your people there you go and you know who else is going to be at nationwide who's that pure care pure care yeah pure we care. saw them there last time it's so perfect isn't it i mean the fact that we get to be there and both of the sponsors for the podcast are there yeah. um we just talked about in the last episode i think it's worth reporting my sister carrie quinn love her a lot respect her a lot she did some really cool stuff with the mattress firm franchise prez out of south texas and those guys killed it um pure care um, helped them create an awesome experience. We talk about brick and mortar. We talk about low traffic. If you want to wow people, part of it is what kind of experience are you giving them? Um, you saw the pictures. Kind of explain what you saw there and, and what was the impact on you. Well, where's a comfortable, relaxing place to hang out after a hard day? At a bar where you can grab a drink. <laughs> That's right. You can hang out. You can talk to the bartender, just kind of BS with your friends. And so they made it into like this really nice kind of bar experience where, you know, somebody can sit down on one side and then on the other side, you can bring out your, your sheets, your pillows, mattress protectors. It's a tactile, experiential, um, cool way of presenting these products to consumers in a way that's not like, okay, now I have the pillow. What do I do with it? I have the sheets. What do I do with it? So I, I like that experience they've created and you kind of manage it and you put them in a spot where they can relax for a little bit and kind of hang out. So props big time to the Perez group. 
Uh, three amigos, Christopher Dunn, EVP of marketing, James Perez, one of the owners, and Mike Enciso, uh, and Karen Perez uh, as well. But you guys are really, really smart for that. I love it. Great job. And uh, if you are out there and you want to grow your ticket and your profits, check it out. Go to PureCare. They can help you out. PureCare.com. So, Kinsley, we did a Consumer Reports. Before we get into top retail trends, um, I thought it'd be fair. We got a phone call as soon as we got done with Facebook Live. And one of the questions we asked was, how does Consumer Reports monetize their business? Someone told us it was a nonprofit. So start with that. That was surprising to me. But affiliate fees is a big part of what they do. So anyway, I thought it would be uh, interesting. They're making millions on the affiliate fees. So uh, the point of that is how real is, I'm not saying it's not authentic. I'm not saying that at all. But um, when there are affiliate fees, you always have to be a little suspicious if publications, review sites don't push a little bit harder on a company that may be giving them a better affiliate fee. So you have to you have to think about that. You know right? what this reminds me Buyer of? Buyer beware. You know what this reminds me of? What's that? Mumble rap. Mumble rap. Don't know anything about I that. was brought up to speed on mumble rap the other day, and it reminds me of consumer reports. And here's why. So mumble rap, essentially rap songs put together by people who understand the internet. They're not that good as artists, but they understand social media and they understand algorithms, and they understand the charts and how the internet works. And so they're able to use their social media influence to basically get songs like way up on these different charts where people go and download them. So when you go and you're like, these are the top songs on iTunes? What is this crap? This is terrible. Well, it's people who are figuring out the system. And this is this is an important lesson for us in the mattress industry, especially when we start looking at affiliate commissions and these fake review sites or these, you know, unhealthy review sites. Um, and the way that consumers are getting presented information and then making a purchase, right? Cause we've, we talked about this a bunch in the past. There are so many sites out there that people can go to and it's some dude giving a mattress review. And as soon as you click his link and go buy that online roll pack bed, he's getting a commission, an affiliate commission or a referral fee, as Consumer Reports calls it. That's the system. That's the way that it works, mm-hmm. right? So what a lot of people do, whether it's in mumble wrap or it's in mattress sales, they're able to figure out the system. And I was talking to my friend and I go, well, how do you combat this in the future? What do you do? And he goes, I, th- I go, is artistry going to come back in a way because people are going to figure out, hey, the artist mat- matters, it's not... I'm not going to listen to what these charts are saying. And he goes, I think it's both. I think it's going to be people who are artists that also understand the system. So it's going to be good actors in the industry, whatever industry it is, whether it's mumble rapper matches, good actors in the industry who also understand the system and how the system changes and keeping up with that. You know, that's an interesting comment. A friend of mine who lives in Nashville and was in the music scene said like, you would not believe how many crazy talented people are in Nashville trying to make it. And you look at the artists that are popular today, the difference between the guys in Nashville and the people who are popular is the right agent, the right door opening at the right time. You know what I'm saying? It's not a talent thing. Um, And so it makes you wonder how many people are out there that we haven't discovered, how many businesses out there who haven't just 
met the right opportunity, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's going to be tricky. I think people have to. Yeah, isn't it amazing? After all these years, you have companies that are experts at making amazing mattresses that have impacted millions of nights of sleep for happy people the world over in many cases. Sure. Yet magically, they suck at making mattresses now because Consumer Reports doesn't know about them. That's the system piece of it. And you have a system within your own stores. If you're a retailer, the way consumers are coming to information, there's a system. So you got to get in there and figure that out. And then you have to operate within, within that environment. I remember, you know, back in, you remember go to college? You're like, what? why do I have to do, or school, high school? Why do I have to sure. do this? This is dumb. When am I ever going to use it? It's not about that particular skill set or that information. It was about, I need to understand how to operate within this environment there you go. and successfully complete it. And that's where we're getting to, I think, in many ways. It is. And, and we're it, lucky that we aren't victims of that process because we are the high, most highly acclaimed mattress industry podcast ever, ever reviewed. It's really a first mover's advantage in many ways. I mean, <laughs> and the only, that's what happened. The only mover's advantage. First. So we are not uh, too far. We're like a big orange Camaro souped up, driven by some guy named TJ. <laughs> and Mike Whitaker as an orange man too. Oh yeah, 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 that's yeah, right. yeah. But what? So it's almost like that's a trend that's happening in the mattress industry and in the world. And we wanted to break down some other yep. top retail trends for 2020. And we're going to answer the question: What the heck is Bopus? Yeah, that's coming. So let's talk about the first trend. Uh, they talk about pure play. Uh, retail is less pure. And Kinsley, the whole idea behind this is, and we know it all too well here. Uh, the guys online, uh, the direct-to-consumer brands. You can think Wayfair. You can think Chewy. Um, Chewy.com. Chewy.com. We are um, customers of them. You can think Dollar Shave Club. You can think Casper in the mattress space. All of those guys now moving into brick and mortar. And so um, the obvious point here is that's going to continue to be a trend. And those guys who aren't making money, Wayfair, a lot of those guys who aren't making money, Casper, whoever, um, they're now pushing into brick and mortar, um, going to be opening up their own stores, selling to existing retailers, and that's going to continue to be. A and I've talked to some of these guys and gals behind the scenes. Hey, why actually push into brick and mortar? They say we experimented with it. The cost to acquire a customer is dramatically lower. I heard 85% lower in one anecdotal case. 85, can you imagine 85% lower? when you have a face-to-face -face interaction with somebody and you have wow. a store for people to go in. Now, I'm not saying that's the number, but it's a very compelling case to open up a brick and mortar location instead of just trying to compete online, where we know the cost to acquire a customer, getting across the finish line, somewhere around 250 bucks. Wow, that's a lot. Mm. There's a lot of investment. So um, you're not building value and product at that point, you're just paying to promote and get traffic in. Yeah, you're trying to up your sales so that you can IPO and fund yourself later or have some sort sort of liquidity event. Yeah, a brick and mortar push for them is they, they got to monetize the business and get profitable. So that's so. retail trend number one. It's, it's not going to be pure play retail. Yep. And so, yeah, it's going to be a, a, a mix, obviously, of e-commerce and going into brick and mortar. Uh, trend number two, executive teams are shifting. So uh, a group called Gray and Christmas um, in November issued a report and they said that basically 1,480 CEOs have left their posts uh, which is about 12% more than what had last year. And so I think part of this, and they're saying that they're being held more accountable, um, a lot of distressed retailers, Kinsley, we're seeing it in the mattress space. 
people are at a point that the the dynamics of commerce are changing drastically because of e-commerce. And there's a lot of people who don't know how to navigate it. They're not thinkers in terms of strategy and new and different. That's not where they're at. They're more operators, right? CEOs that are operators know how to manage a business. They don't know how to grow or think creatively or push a business into the next phase of its business life. So um, I think that's a problem for some of these CEOs and the dynamics are, 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 are tossing them around a little bit. And also CEOs being held more accountable. Maybe they don't like it, but you own the culture. You own a lot of that stuff and you see some of the shenanigans going on at top levels and people are being held accountable differently today for everything that goes on in the business. So anyway, that's uh, that's that. What do you think? And I think public companies, you know, you spend 25 to 30 percent of your time as CEO talking to the street. No doubt. So think about that. About a third of your time is spent dealing with analysts, people in the financial community, people on Wall Street. So that that's a huge I'll call it a distraction if you're also dealing with a bad culture. So if you have a bad culture, that's eventually going to bubble up and that effervescence is going to bubble up and become flat. And so if you're not paying attention to that because the requirements of the job are such that you have to talk to the street all the time, you're going to be in a really tough spot. And, and it sounds like CEOs are being held accountable for that culture piece because that's what becomes cancerous. Well, and in and they have to uh, like i think there's a lack like some ceos they want to own the good stuff and they're not willing to own the bad stuff and culture is part of everything that they're doing so yeah yeah we've seen it. it here in the industry too i mean you have organizations like you know like ssb we've talked you know about ssb in the past they had a merger of two major brands whenever they became sns serta and simmons so you had two competing cultures you had two very established organizations trying to come together. And, you know, in his in his defense, um, you know, whenever Michael was CEO, it's right. He's trying to he's trying to merge those two things together. And we don't know what was happening behind the scenes and how that sausage got made. It's a tough thing to to write a ship, especially whenever you have two very competitive, very aggressive sales organizations that are trying to be merged together. So that those type of dynamics I think are pretty common these days with consolidation. And um, so it's a tough thing that happens behind the scenes, but ultimately guess what? It starts at the top and stops at the top. You got to own it all. That's why you get paid the big bucks. So Bopis. Bopis. B-O-P-I-S. Bopis. Are we going to tell them now or should we wait? I think we got to tell them because we got to talk about it. So Bopis packs a punch. So uh, you and I both. And this is retail trend, the third retail trend that we're talking about. Are we on number three? Oh, yeah, sure. There you go. All right, fine. Uh, So it packs a punch. While buying online, I'm reading directly from this article, uh, pick up in stores. Buy online, online, pick up in stores. Pick up in stores. There you go. Uh, services, they're not new. They will continue to help the bottom line of those retailers that can deliver on logistics and speed. Uh, 49% of consumers stated that in-store pickup is quicker for them than at-home delivery, which I don't get. I like it when it gets dropped off at my door. I guess if you have an urgent need, it's super easy to just order online and go pick it up. So I get that, right? Um, but if you don't, you can wait and let you know the, the FedEx guide like ring your bell. But uh, anyway, so 49% of consumers seem to like it. Um, Amazon is now banding, banning third-party sellers from shipping primetime orders with FedEx ground because there's a decline in, in performance. I did not know 
FedEx is cutting 40% or 50% of their air freight capacity because of margin loss, a 50% margin loss. I had no idea. Had you heard that? That is news to me. So you're saying that essentially Amazon is scoring their delivery vendors and saying FedEx is not performing and FedEx, meanwhile, is saying we're losing money on this proposition or our margin profile isn't thick enough for us to continue delivering Amazon packages. Did I understand that's, that? That's what record? it sounds like to me. And so, yes, um, that's exactly what it says here. Uh, I think we're interpreting it correctly. Um, now, from a retail perspective, Kinsley, they're saying um, in November, an interview with CNBC, Target uh, CEO Brian Cornell says that the cost for him drops 90% when customers utilize uh, the the BOPIS. And you and I are trying to get at the 90%. We went to a video where he's being interviewed and I couldn't quite discern what he was saying. But I, I guess it's because you pick it, um, you pack it, you ship it. There's a lot of cost involved in that chain. There's customer service involved in that you chain bet. for a, probably a, you know, a percentage of people. So he's probably talking about his cost to actually, not, not his cost to carry the product, his cost to deliver the product, the, the, that, that stack of items mm -hmm. goes down by 90% whenever somebody picks it up in store versus put it in a box, tape it up, ship it, send it through a carrier, and then deal with customer service along the way because somebody wants it yesterday and all that stuff that goes into actually shipping it through the mail. Yep. So gotcha. anyway, the trend, and that's why buy having, online, pick up and store. So they're going to incentivize that probably, or they're going to push that. Why not? And and I so you had brought up to me. I didn't know this at the time, but Kohl's is letting people return any of their Amazon purchases through their stores. So I'm like, okay. And I had something to return. I don't often return stuff. I buy it from Amazon, but I had a Christmas thing. So I I hate doing this kind of crap. So anyway, I go into Kohl's. It was so freaking easy. I couldn't believe it. So I went into Kohl's. I returned it there. And I'm thinking they were going to give me some hassle. There's going to be some big process. It wasn't at all. It was very, very simple. So using your brick and mortar platform to be an extension from your e-commerce is so smart and gives people such an advantage if, Kinsley, they're thinking through it strategically. You got you to gotta leverage it the right way. And I think Kohl's was really smart to, to form this partnership with Amazon because on certain purchases, you get free returns only if you do that return in Kohl's. So my, my wife had an item like this and she says, I have to go to Kohl's to return this. I go, what do you mean? I thought it was free returns. She says, I've, I'm a victim of this scheme. I go, you're a victim. Hold on a second. Because <laughs> it's okay. Like, things are fine. She goes, I had to go into Kohl's. She said it was pretty easy, too. Yeah. But she had to make a trip to Kohl's. So there are certain items that are going to be carved out that can only be returned in store. And then you're obviously driving foot traffic to that retail location. So they're really smart to do this. And it does get to the spirit of BOPUS, buy online, pick up in store. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you start seeing the increase in freight costs, and delivery costs and handling and customer service. Um, I think that trend is one we need to pay attention to because you'll 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 see some creativity, I think, around the idea of how do we get people to return it in store or pick it up in store? And then what can we do once they're in that environment? I think it's a good opportunity. And that's the key. You need to be creative in terms of how you capture them and keep them when you have them there. Um, okay, so another one here. More retailers are entering, entering um, distressed uh, spaces or apparel secondhand, right? So 
the are those num- the same thing, by the way? The, D- well, distressed. I, I'm and, kind of merging them together. What is distressed territory? Well, distressed. So sorry. Th- actually, they're two separate things. Distressed territory would be more of a liquidation. Are you talking about like jeans Retailers, that have rips in them? Yeah, yeah. For, that's that's where my head distressed was. Area, but yeah. I forgot. Yeah. As I'm reading this, it's not that. The distressed territory is more about retailers shutting down. Um, so there are more retail liquidations. I don't really think there's much to discuss here other than the obvious. There's a lot more. Um, oh, you mean like Sears is having trouble? Malls are yeah. So shutting down that store closures essentially more than nine thousand right. last year, Kinsley. So uh, I think it's a real thing, mostly for our audience because a lot of brick and mortar guys out there. But anyway, so continued um, problems there. So people going out of business. You know the spaces that seem to be doing fine. The mega spaces, the superstores, the big giant um, multi-business type or multi, I don't know, maybe multi-experiential type of places. Give me an example. Uh, for example, um, there's a coffee shop here where I live, okay? Right. And the coffee shop's nice, but it's small. Well, I went like one town over and they have like a flagship coffee shop with a bar that operates independently upstairs and a Mexican restaurant like hidden in the back that nobody really knew about. But I walked in and I'm like, this is the coffee, this is the coffee shop. It had like one area that looked like a living room and it had plenty of lighting and you could like lay out your stuff and work. And then other like more intimate areas is, you know, thousands and thousands of square feet. And I'm like, I would like to hang out here as opposed to the small coffee shop. And there are times for that. But I say that only to illustrate, you know, an example, um, a friend of mine has a has a chain of gyms, and uh, several years back, they moved away from their sixteen thousand square foot gyms, which is pretty small for a gym, and they moved to like forty thousand square feet. And those new environments that were big and had lots of offerings and lots of community and lots of people are doing very well compared to what the older, smaller footprint gyms are. Then I think about retail, and I look at like your boutique shops. Um, versus like a Costco, for example. Costco's doing well year over year. So these mega, you know, Nebraska Furniture Mart, like these mega environments that can weave in as something experiential seem to be thriving. Yeah, but they're, but further to that point, part of the reason they're thriving is there are experiences in the store. Jordan's Furniture, IMAX theaters, water shows, Nebraska Furniture Mart, restaurants, things to do other than just go shop for furniture. When you create those types of experiences, then you get paid uh, and people will prefer to shop with you and they're not going to go in and shop online because there's a reason to enter your store. Yeah, here's the thing. I'm starting to believe this more and more. People are, they don't want to just sit around in their house all the time. No. They don't. They want to go do stuff. And they understand the value of seeing something in person and touching and feeling and asking a few questions. But they have options with how they're going to spend their time. And time is the key word to think about. So if I'm going to take my time to go do something I hate, why not take a chance and protect my time and get something shipped to my house that's better than what I have? It may not be perfect, but it's better than what I have. I want to protect my time. We get that, right? You're a busy guy. For sure. I have plenty of stuff going on. And so I think, okay, how do you protect your time? And I think many, many more people are of that ilk these days than they used to be because there's so many demands on your time. And a lot of that comes down to smartphone. Didn't it's always there you. in front of you, Take, taking your time and attention away. And so you feel like you have less time, even though 
we may have more comparatively. Who knows? But anyway, people want to protect their time, and so they will choose something that is fun for the family or has some sort of perceived benefit beyond just buying something. And and our last one here, Kinsley, I think is really interesting. It's the secondhand market. So my wife, Bridget, um, has this business where she has, first of all, she loves to shop. She just like, she's a, so hunters go and they hunt animals and kill animals. She is a hunter, but for deals. Mm. She loves it. So she goes to stores and she finds stuff that other people may not realize has a value that it does. And so she'll buy stuff and she'll resell it. Uh, she sold a purse for $750 a couple days ago. And she had it for a couple of years. It's a Louis Vuitton, I think. Do you like Do you like it? Does it look good on you? <laughs> I couldn't pull it off. They, they, I'm a backpack, right? Um, backpack guy. But anyway, so... That that market though, the secondhand market, the thread ups of the world, very, very big. As a matter of fact, it's so big. Um, this is what they're saying. If I can find it, hang on, I'm right here. While, while you're looking for that, yep. we go to Vegas quite a bit. Yeah. And there was a, a bar where we met up with some people. Um and it was like a secondhand store. So it was like a like a pawn shop or a thrift store, but it was a bar as well. And it was very cool. Like it was, it was well appointed. They had items that you could purchase. It was eclectic and kind of bohemian in a way, Yeah. but it, but it added a cool element to it and it was all secondhand stuff. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, and I love going besides in. the drinks. Those were not secondhand <laughs> Other than as drink. far as I know. Um, no. So they're saying here, Kinsley, that additionally secondhand market is expected to grow nearly one and a half times that of fast fashion. So a $64 billion business versus a $44 billion business by 2028. So um, thread up companies like that are also getting into relationships with brick and mortar retailers. So the brick and mortar guys see what's coming, but people want value. Um, They're totally fine with a, uh, Louis Vuitton purse that they can buy for seven fifty instead of paying two grand for the same thing that was originally purchased in a store. They're totally cool with it. Like no one knows that you know it doesn't even matter, and so that is growing in a big way. And so it makes you wonder the application of that back to the mattress industry, doesn't it? If there is yeah. anything to that, so I'm never going to buy someone's pillow. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep on a secondhand pillow or sheets. I, I so, have uh, I've sold a pillow. At a garage sale. Did you really? Somebody bought it. How much did you sell it for? I don't remember. Well, maybe I tried they wanted it just because you slept on it. Like it was a Mark Kinsley. We were, ta- we were talking about like the one garage sale we had the other day. And I was like, we were literally getting robbed. There were people there stealing from us. Oh. I saw it happen. I'm like, okay, well, just take the DVD. I, I can't handle a garage sale because when something's marked 50 cents and then someone wants to look at me and say, Can, will you take a quarter? I just can't handle that. Let me just take it. First uh, of all, yeah. why am I selling something here? For, anyway, I could go on and on about grad sales. I but. did it one time. I, I have to say, I had a pretty good time for a while. And then when people started offering me quarters for stuff, I'm yeah. like, yes, just please don't. Just take it. I, yes. I, I want to pull out money and go, here's a dollar. You just get it out of my house. Because ultimately in a grad sale, most guys are like, it is not a way to make money. It's a way to purge crap out of the closet. That's all it was. Home. Yeah, that's I all I was getting rid of stuff. I had to have a way. Somebody... It was either going to be hauled off to the trash, right, 
But it was just a way for people to come to my house and get rid of stuff before I moved. So there's money in your closets, people. That's what we're telling you. The secondhand market is big and getting bigger. So those are some retail trends. Think about it as it relates to you and to your business. And uh, who knows, maybe you can capitalize. I like that being the top, one of the top trends of the BOPUS. Buy online, pick up in store. So how can that apply to your business? And I think that is a trend that's picking up steam, especially when you see partnerships between Kohl's and Amazon. I think that's a very strong signal that it's going to move in that direction. And whenever you hear the CEO of Target talk about the reduction in cost of 90% whenever it comes to people actually coming to the store and probably the revenue generator that can contribute to that number. Right. I don't know if they separate that or not, but it is a trend to, to pay attention to. So guess who just joined the podcast? Uh, if Culp. Yeah, if, and so you can see all the ticking behind us. That's all uh, Culp ticking, isn't it? Uh, it's a mixture, actually. There you go. And Casey Glover. What's up, Casey? Hey, Casey. Well, guys, thanks and for Jerry tuning Borgini. in. Jerry Borgini. I hadn't looked at our list here. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Appreciate it. So, um, hey, kicking off 2020 strong. Um, we need to go write that nationwide speech now. You ready? ready? Yeah. Let's do it. You can bounce on it. Oh, oh. What is a hybrid? It's like peanut butter jelly, peanut butter chocolate. Hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. Cool and comfortable, hybrid like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of the sun. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool. Cool as ice. And I'm hot like a heater. Bounce by the ounce. Now we got it by the leader. Well, you take a spring and you wrap it up right. You can sleep so smooth or bounce all night. Put two together, get a whole lot more. Get the feel of the comfort core. You can bounce on it. Lay back, you don't have to practice. It's the best thing to happen to your mattress. Get together to do it like I did. Everybody get hybrid. If you want somebody to get in your vicinity, you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity. Foam alone, out of five, maybe one star. Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar. Mad back support, the best way to shack up or just get rest that won't mess your back up. Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist or a mullet. Party in the back of the business. Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus. The ultimate hybrid. Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, phone keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get hybrid Right, listen, doesn't matter if your kitchen is charming When your bedroom's the most important part of the apartment What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl want to chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no, you need springs and foam Cause if that bowling ball don't bounce, you'll be sleeping alone And if the bed don't react, then you can't get low We got that type of bounce that won't spill your Merlot So stick with us and you'll get rewarded Cause I'm so gentle and I'm so supportive is where the magic is. And we just killed a song about mattresses.